Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. That's right, I'm back with a new episode, your first off-season episode, and I think there's a little bit of news to talk about, isn't there? We've uh, had a World Series since we last talked, we've hired a new manager since we last talked, and uh, we... We acquired a guy off of waivers named Alfonso Rivas. I didn't see that one coming uh, this offseason. So we are going to get into everything. We're going to talk about the manager hire. We're going to talk about some of the the waiver claims the Guardians have been making and kind of setting their 40-man roster. And uh, we're going to talk about the Arizona Fall League because, believe me, the emails have been flying in. Bob and Highland Heights wanted to make sure that I saw exactly what Chase DeLauder, uh was doing out there in the Arizona Fall League. So we're going to talk about all of it. That's right. Let's get into it on this Cleveland baseball morning. All right. Did I say it? I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan. And while there's no baseball to talk about, we got plenty of offseason news. All right. Let's talk about this manager hire. We have an official manager. It, You know... I was talking to my brother about this, and I was saying how this search for a new manager, it kind of had this vibe of, like, mom's new boyfriend. Like, like, you know, we were hiring our new new baseball dad, you know? That's kind of what it felt like. And uh, the last guy, the last guy was very fun, very lovable, did a great job. Uh, And, you know, it just, it felt like council, Craig Council, I just I didn't I didn't think it was the energy that they were looking for. I don't know. That's just I got this gut feeling that even though, you know, obviously they did their due diligence and they brought him in, interviewed him and seriously considered him, it just didn't feel like the right vibe. It didn't feel like he fit with our family. And uh Stephen Vaught, Stephen Vote, Stephen Vaught, I've heard it both ways. Uh I'm gonna go with Stephen Vote until I hear otherwise from him. Uh Stephen Vote felt like that vibe and I read all the articles. I'm sure you've read all the articles too, whether it's uh, any of our beat reporters on any publication that they write for. It all seems to be the same vibe, which is he is absolutely amazing at connecting with people. He gets people. He makes them laugh. He makes them feel comfortable. He is the person that the locker room had for his entire 10-year playing career, the person that the locker room has kind of centered around. He has that energy, and he has had his eye on becoming an MLB manager. Now, uh, now I'll get to the emails at the end of the episode, but Marlon, not a fan of this, and the big criticism is he has no experience coaching. He spent he he retired after the 2022 season. He spent 2023 uh, in Seattle as the bullpen coach and quality control or something like that, and. That's his experience coaching. And I know there's people out there that think that's not enough to become manager. That this, uh, you know, somehow this hire is more about the vibe and the feeling than it is about his actual experience and his ability to call a game and to manage a bullpen and a pitching staff and set lineups and things like that. But, you know, give him a little bit of credit. Uh, So you'll hear in the stories that you read that in 2018, he had an injury that kept him out basically all season, and he basically stuck with the Milwaukee Brewers and studied under Craig Council and did like an internship, a managing internship, and learned how a major league coaching staff operates. So 
he has experience there. And just you have to imagine that since that moment, he's been paying. I mean, as the backup catcher, as a journeyman catcher, you got plenty of time to kind of hang around the, the coaching staff and hang around the manager and see what he's doing. You got to imagine that since 2018, he's had his high eye set on this. And he even said when he retired, I want to become a manager. That's my goal. And now his dream comes true. He gets to manage the Cleveland Indians, the most stable job in Major League Baseball, uh, at least over the last uh, you know decade plus. And uh, it's so hard to be it's so hard to be both excited and angry about this. Obviously, excitement because the decision is made, right? We get to sink our teeth into the you know the news that someone has actually been hired, and now we get to move forward with our offseason and build this team towards the 2024 season but it's so hard so it's easy to be excited about that it's hard to be excited or or angry about the hire because you just don't know look at all the articles out there look at everything that led up to this the articles that showed who the finalists were going to be right or who they brought in as a manager not one of those articles had any shred of detail about uh, how that person would call a baseball game, how they would handle bunting, right? Whether they would keep Stephen Kwan as the leadoff hitter or, or, you know, make Jose Ramirez a leadoff hitter to get him the maximum amount of at-bats. Like, strategy like that, it's not in any of the reporting out there because it doesn't exist. All these guys that have been bullpen coaches and, and bench coaches and third base coaches and things like that, it doesn't exist. Craig Council was the only guy, but even he wasn't being talked about like that. What do we do on this show? What do we do on the show? We dig into facts. We dig into stats. We dig into real things that we can see on the baseball field. And this whole managerial hire is its behind closed doors. So I'm not saying you can't have an opinion on it. I'm just saying, how could you possibly reach the extreme of anger or the extreme of jubilation without having any further information on what this is actually going to look like on the field. So I beg you, Cleveland baseball fans, I beg you, morning people, be the example out there. Don't react that way to this news. Enjoy that the news is here. Enjoy that we have a new manager. Enjoy that the offseason is moving forward. You could be skeptical. You could be ready to judge. You can you can look at this whole thing with a quizzical eye. And, you know, come spring training and come the beginning of the season, you could be ready to pounce if he's making mistakes. That's fine. That's fine. But let it play out. Let the story play out. Let's see where this goes. I know people were excited about counsel, but frankly, frankly, how far have the Milwaukee Brewers gotten under Council's leadership. I haven't seen Milwaukee Brewers playing in the World Series. So, I, you know, I, I get Council is, a, Council is a smart baseball guy, and clearly the Cubs made him the highest paid manager, so clearly there's something to like about Council, but that's also the shocking news, right? That they just kicked David Ross to the curb. That came out of nowhere, and they give Council, they gave Craig Council all this money. So Council's with the Cubs now. He doesn't even get the Mets job or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, it's let the storyline play out. So one of the things that's interesting is in all the quotes, and I've checked different articles, I've, I've read 
on uh, MLB Trade Rumors and The Athletic and MLB.com. And the quote from Antonetti is, we're thrilled to welcome Steven and his family here to Northeast Ohio and to name him the next manager of the Cleveland Guardians, Antonetti said in a statement. Steven earned a reputation as one of the best teammates in the game across his 16-year career as a player. Whoop, did I say 10? I meant 16. And we've greatly enjoyed the opportunity to get to know him over the past several weeks. Steven has thought critically about the type of leader and manager he wants to be, his deep care for others, his ability to build meaningful relationships with those around him, and his open-mindedness and curiosity make him an ideal fit to lead our club moving forward. We couldn't be more excited to partner with Steven. Now, the one now that all sounds good. Sounds great, right? It's things we've talked about already. He's got the personality. The one thing that Antonetti didn't mention in his statement, and maybe it'll come up in the press conference, he didn't mention anything about analytics, uh, you know, about about uh, embracing new statistics and things like that. So it kind of makes me wonder if in this manager search, and this is pure speculation here, it makes me wonder in this manager search if the Guardian's front office went, look, we've already got the people in place to do the analytics and to understand the new statistics. We need someone like Francona that can manage the clubhouse and we, as a front office, can feed him all that information that we know how to gather and we know how to translate. Maybe they've been doing it for Francona for the last few years and they found that system works. And and Francona knew what to do with well, we sometimes Francona knew what to do with that information, right? Um so maybe that's the partnership that Antonetti's talking about. They I'm, they do the work. They do the, I'm going to say it, they do the nerd work and he does the people work and it comes together and they work as a team and he knows how to take that information. Maybe over the last week, few weeks, those interviews, he showed them that he knows how to take that information and apply it to baseball. That That's what I'm hoping. That, that's you always looking for the positive. I know that's what I'm hoping for. So we'll see how that plays out. It It's, gonna be fun it's gonna be fun either way it's gonna be something right this hire is definitely something this isn't like going out and getting buck showalter or someone like that who's been just doing this forever you kind of know how it's gonna go this is something it's gonna be an interesting experiment so i'm excited i'm excited that we have uh started the journey we are off on the voyage and steven vote uh, hey, uh, the uh, the catchphrase in Oakland was "We believe" or "I believe in Stephen Vote," and uh, here we go. Uh, it's time for Cleveland fans to embrace that mentality, at least to get this thing started. I'm not telling you you can't be critical, but let's get this thing going. So, uh, obviously, that is the huge news that we had to kick this thing off with. Um, so, a few of the managerial positions have fallen into place after that. And uh, like I said, council goes to the Cubs. Ross is now out of a job. Uh, the I think it was Mendoza, who was also in consideration here in Cleveland, who was the Yankees bench coach. He goes to the Mets. So uh, he's keeping it local in New York. I don't, people didn't seem too excited about that hire. So yeah, people at least seem excited about this one. Of all the managerial hires so far, uh, this one has gotten people's attention for sure, for sure. So, 
uh, it sounds like a lot of the coaching staff is going to stay in place, which also might be a benefit to him to have you know such an experienced um, uh, pitching coach uh, to kind of handle the reins there. And uh, I, who knows if our bench coach is sticking around, Hale, the Marlo Hale, sticking around um, to help him out and be a guiding hand as a bench coach. Uh, it didn't, yeah. And, uh, all those people asking about Sandy Alomar, I don't think Sandy wants the job. I don't think he wants to be manager. I think he's very happy being first base coach uh, and working with the catchers. And, uh, yeah, of course, another catcher on the, on, on the coaching staff, right? It just catchers are constantly getting those manager jobs. It's like they're groomed for the position. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Hopefully, a lot of those pieces stay in place. Uh, they've got to go out and replace a third base coach. I know that. Uh, they've got to go out and replace a bullpen coach. I think they lost three. They lost three coaches from their staff uh, so far this offseason. So there, there are some new names that will be joining here. The hitting coach still undetermined. What's going to happen there? Obviously, uh, a lot of us feel like they could use an upgrade. They they can use a new voice and a new approach there to hitting. So. We'll see if Stephen Vogt has any influence on that. All right. uh, Let's get into some baseball players because, shockingly, uh, the Guardians have actually made some moves, and a lot of it uh, has centered around the catching position and first base. So the first move will just go in order of the way I heard it come down. Alfonso Rivas is a guy that got off of waivers from the Pittsburgh Pirates, and this move makes absolutely no sense to me. He can play first base and outfield, but if you look at his uh, games played uh, over the last few seasons, he's definitely been leaning to first base. In 2023, he played 47 games at first base and one in left field. So uh, probably more of a first baseman at this point in his career. He is 27 years old, so he ain't a rookie or anything like that. Um, Here's what Fangraphs had on kind of his scouting report. Um, Revis can hit, but his lack of power likely puts him towards the bottom of the first base spectrum. That's not good. Uh, so they've got him at a 50, maybe to a 55 hit grade. They've got him at a 40 for game power, but a 50 for raw power. They've got him at a 40 speed and a 45 with room for growth to a 50 in fielding. His future value is a 35 plus. So they don't really see him as much of a prospect anymore at this point. So yeah, it's what are they what are they doing? What are they doing with first base? Wh- why? Why? Obviously Naylor is the guy, right? And uh you've also got Manzardo, the guy you traded your top veteran, well, healthy, top healthy veteran pitcher for. I know that's kind of a mouthful, but you traded Savali for him. And we all thought Manzardo was here to be that guy, that DH first base platoon with Naylor. So, and then you also have Fry on the roster still, right? We have to find playing time for Fry. So where does this guy fit in? Unless he's just some AAA depth, someone maybe you've been keeping your eye on for a while, and hey, he became available, so why not snag him? Uh, Unless he's AAA depth, I I don't understand what Alfonso Rivas brings this team. Unless Antonetti, you know, and Chernoff think that they've got an ace up their sleeve here with this guy. And they they can put the finishing touch to turn him into uh, the, the contact hitter he was destined to be. 
Uh, I'm not sure what Alfonso Rivas brings to the team. Now, this next move, I understand a little bit better. The uh, Rays made Christian Bethencourt the catcher available, and the Guardians snagged him off waivers. And this makes sense. He's a right-handed hitting catcher. Uh, he's going to platoon, or not platoon, but he, he does pair nicely with Bo Naylor here. Um, he's got a cannon of an arm, but not a super great defensive catcher. Um, and offensively, he's got some pop. He's hit 11 home runs uh, in the last two seasons. Uh, each, but his everything kind of dropped off last season in Tampa Bay, which is why they kind of made him available. He basically goes from 100 WRC plus in 22, uh, 2022, split between two teams. Uh, I believe it was Oakland and Tampa Bay, right? And then this year, in 2023, he drops to a 74 WRC+. plus. So he falls 26 uh, you know, percentage points compared to league average uh, in, in runs created. And they decided, Tampa Bay, maybe we can move on at the catching position. However, for Cleveland, oh my God, what an upgrade. So they DFA'd Cam Gallagher. Cam Gallagher will not be back. Uh, Cam Gallagher was a minus 17 WRC plus. So as much as a 74 WRC plus doesn't sound great. I mean, I'm not signing him up to be the starting catcher. I'll tell you that much, but a 74 WRC plus is a big upgrade. When you look at what we had that minus 17 WRC plus for Gallagher. Uh, look, uh, Gallagher, at first we thought his defense was going to be good enough to to stomach the terrible offense, but oh my God, that offense got unbearably bad. So I am glad that page of the book is, is uh, closed. In fact, you know what? I'm closing the tab. I don't want to think about Cam Gallagher anymore. Christian Bethencourt, again, I thought it was a place where David Fry might get some at-bats at the catching position, you know, being the right-handed Catcher, hitting catcher to go with Bo Naylor being the left-handed hitting catcher. Uh, but now Christian Bethencourt is going to be competing for those at-bats. I, again, I don't see, I see only see how this hurts David Fry uh, when David Fry is intriguing. So it clearly shows that they don't take David Fry seriously as the backup catcher on this team. As the emergency catcher slash emergency right fielder slash emergency first baseman slash emergency DH Yes, but as the actual backup catcher, uh, this would be a vote of uh, no confidence uh, in him as the official backup catcher to Bo Naylor. Uh, hopefully, uh, the Bo Naylor era really, really takes off here, and we're only thinking about the backup catcher on Sundays. You know, that, that that's the hope. Uh, so the Tyler Freeman playing time plan, that, that's what we hope for for our backup catcher. Um, cause yeah, I want to see Bo Naylor in that lineup as much as possible, man. I want to see the Naylor brothers just absolutely raking this year. So there you go. There's some, some movement already. I didn't think that the hot stove season would kick off this quickly for the guardians, but it has, um, okay. The next thing we got to talk about. We got to talk about the World Series. We had a World Series. We actually finished the 2023 season. Uh, I can't believe yeah, there were times during the playoffs where I definitely wanted to come talk to you. And just I can't tell you how insane. I mean, 
literally, I, I got lucky that the Guardian season ended because I just absolutely had an avalanche of work come, come and hit me. So as much as I wanted to talk to you, I've literally been up when I was podcasting on, you know, at midnight, one in the morning during the summer, I've been up working at midnight, one in the morning, trying to catch up on things. So, uh, I, I appreciate you understanding me taking that break, but we had a world series during that break. And man, if I learned one thing from this playoffs and, uh, some of you, some of you may disagree, but the one thing I learned is you need power. You need power to compete. You need power in the playoffs. I, look at what the Texas Rangers did. Look how many runs were scored via the home run. Just, even extra base hits. Just the way Texas just absolutely mashed fastballs. The way they mashed mistakes over the plate. If you came over the plate, if you came off those edges at all, and you came over the middle of the plate, the Texas Rangers were ready to absolutely destroy that baseball with authority. Can, man, can someone turn Gabriel Arias into that kind of hitter? We know Arias has the exit velocity. Can they turn him into that kind of just absolutely mistake mashing come anywhere near the plate and I will destroy the ball kind of hitter? That's the first guy I thought of. I know uh, we have other guys on this team that have power potential. Oscar Gonzalez has power potential. A guy who I guess I was going to talk about in a minute, but... um. They also added Jonathan Rodriguez to the 40-man roster to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. And that's another guy that uh, has shown in the last few years, he was a former third-round draft pick in 2017 of the Guardians, but he was so young that he bounced around rookie ball for a long time. And he's shown in the last two seasons he's got power. He can strike out a lot, a high strikeout rate, but he has power. Uh, can, Can these guys come up and hit like these Texas Rangers hitters did. I know, I know. Look, they went out and spent a ton of money, right? They spent a ton of money. Simeon and Seeger, they spent a ton of money to build that team. And when DeGrom didn't work out, they go get Scherzer. Avaldi turns out to be the ace of the staff. So you still need the pitching. Don't get me wrong. You still need the pitching. Like Avaldi and uh, Gallon definitely led their teams to World Series. But, uh, Man, uh, the power just, it's amazing the impact it had in the playoffs. You know, I, you know the teams that out-homered were, like, the winning percentage was insane. Uh, so, yeah, the Guardians have to, have to change their approach a little bit. They have to access their power a little bit. And just, you know what? Just hit fastballs better. That, that's really what I'm asking. Handle some fastballs better. Remember how many times we would look at the CSW numbers and they'd put like five fastballs in play. Meanwhile, they fouled off like 20 of them. There has to be something going on in their approach, something that can be corrected, an approach that can be taken in the 2024 season to make sure that our Guardians hitters are putting those fastballs in play, are turning those things around. I, do, I don't care if they're doubles in the alley. I, I, versus home runs, right? I'm I'm down with a with the runners on first and third and rallying and keeping those runners moving and being aggressive on the base paths. I'm down with that, but the power has is going to have to be there eventually. Uh, we're going to have to be more of a threat than we were. 
So, uh, yeah, that's what I took away from the World Series. So, congratulations to Texas. Whether you think they bought it or they built it, uh, either way, they put together an impressive team. And that's that's the goal of the game, to put together an impressive team and go win a World Series. So, congratulations to them. It did feel like the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks kind of kind of were Guardians-esque in the way they played with a little bit more power. That's what it felt like. They had good pitching. They, they put together some rallies. They were fun, energetic. They were taking bases. They were stealing bases. And when they needed it, you know, Thomas or one of those other guys or Carroll would hit would hit a home run and give them a little pop. So uh, it was a, it was a fun World Series. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this playoffs. I, I know I know that the ratings were down. Ooh, the ratings are down because it's Arizona versus Texas. And yes, baseball's a regional sport. And as a fan of baseball, I don't care. I don't care. It's not my job. You know, my my wallet is not affected by how successful Major League Baseball's TV ratings are. I saw some good baseball. That's all I care about. So, uh, again, congratulations to the Texas Rangers and all those Texas Rangers fans out there. All right. <laughs> uh, we got more news. We got awards to talk about. That's right. Stephen Kwan and Andres Jimenez have both been named uh, AL Gold Glove winners, and uh, as someone who was watching them all season, and I know you were morning people, I think we can all agree. Yeah, absolutely they were Gold Glove winners. Those guys are incredible. Incredible. The way Quan sells out in left field is absolutely insane. And Jimenez's range, uh, some of the dives, and the ability to make the throw off those dives... Uh, I know some of you had some problems with Jimenez's uh, offensive regression. But I think we can all agree that watching him play defensively at second base is an absolute treat. And and if this team were built properly around him and not so much of the offensive load was on his shoulders, because again, he is very young still, uh... I think uh, some of us would be happy, just absolutely happy and settled with Andres Jimenez as our second baseman. I am. I hope he's the second baseman for the next 10 years. I love watching that guy play baseball. And same thing with Quan. I love watching that guy play baseball. And again, the lack of power from Quan would be okay if this team was built properly around him. If, if right field was absolutely mashing home runs, you wouldn't care that Quan was just, you know, contact hitting on base machine. What Quan does is impressive. And uh, again, I hope he's here for the next 10 years. I really do. Uh, I love watching these guys play baseball. So congratulations to them for their Gold Glove Awards. And the other one is uh, Tanner Bybee got named as a finalist for Rookie of the Year. Now, I think the consensus feeling around baseball is this thing's going to Gunnar Henderson in Baltimore, who had an incredible rookie season. But it's, it's great that Bybee was named uh, as one of the three finalists. That's really cool, and he definitely, definitely earned it. He was he was our best pitcher for a long stretch in this season. And uh, it's going to be really exciting to see uh, as he grows into an ace and uh, that development there. I uh, For a while, everyone thought tr- this was Tristan McKenzie's pitching staff after Shane Bieber left. And I don't know now. I, it seems like it might be... It's going to be a battle to see who's going to get that opening day start now. 
I, maybe they just hand it to Bieber. If he's still here come opening day, maybe they just hand it to him out of tradition because, you know, the guys uh, probably look up to him uh, have, having been that ace for so long. But I think from a talent standpoint at this point, you you can make a real fight uh, between a couple of guys on who could be the opening day starter. Uh, and Bybee is up there with uh, McKenzie and Bieber. So, uh, yes, congratulations to Bybee. This is probably as far as this is going to go. I'll be shocked if he actually wins Rookie of the Year. But to be named a finalist, uh, pretty cool thing. Pretty cool elite company right there. All right, and finally, let's talk about the Arizona Fall League. Because, like I said, Bob and Highland Heights was absolutely blowing up my inbox uh, talking about it. And the guys you got to keep your eye on out there are Kyle Manzardo, the first baseman that we got from Tampa Bay for uh, Savali. And you got to keep your eye on Chase DeLotter, who's a right fielder for us. He's a former draft pick of ours who is rocketing up the minor league system. And, I mean, literally could be battling for a, a, a spot on this roster uh, by the middle of the season. I, really, he's coming on fast. Um, so both these guys are in the top 25 out there, uh, as far as OPS goes. Uh, I think Manzardo just played, I think they were both named to the all-star game out there. I think Manzardo just played in the home run derby out there. Um, they're both near the top of the leaderboard as far as home runs goes for a while. They were at the top, but it looks like they've been passed, um, recently, uh, but they're near the top as far as power goes. They're not super inspiring batting averages. Manzardo's hitting 241, DeLauder's 257. But uh, the power's there. I mean, a 532 slugging for Manzardo. Now, he is striking out a decent amount 19 strikeouts to 9 walks. There's guys that are striking out way worse than he is. Uh, DeLauder actually has more walks than strikeouts. So that's encouraging 13 walks to 9 strikeouts. He's got a 358 on base. So there's some things you really like to see here. Like I said, they're both top 25 in OPS. Delauder is at 831. Manzardo is at 858. Uh, but take this all with a grain of salt because this is the Arizona Fall League. And just like the NBA Summer League, just like NFL training camp, I, I want guys to look great. Or uh, NFL preseason games, right? I want guys to look great. I want to see them succeed. But you have to take it with a big grain of salt and look at the competition, right? I mean, realize that they're they're not out there facing Evaldi and facing Scherzer. They're, they're out there facing, well, other minor league players, right? And so the level of competition, obviously, you have to take that into consideration here. But... I'm glad they're having success. I would rather it be this than the other way around. And we talk about them struggling out there. So it's nice to see that, yeah, as far as the future goes, they are up there with the best hitters out there in the Arizona Fall League. So Manzardo, uh, DeLauder, keep your eye on those names because they could be coming to the middle of the Cleveland Guardians lineup very, very quickly. Manzardo especially. Uh, He could be your opening day DH. Or first baseman. I really, it it's, hopefully that happens. Honestly, hopefully that happens. Because uh, it seems like the move that they made was preparing for that, that scenario. Coming out of spring training 2024. On the pitching side of things, um, 
Ryan Webb is the name I keep hearing out there. Uh, he pitched for Lake County last year, so probably looking for him. He pitched, he started 17 games for Lake County, so he might open the season at Lake County, but probably you're looking at him playing a lot in Akron in Double A this year. He was a big strikeout guy in uh, in High A. He had. Uh, let's see, a 9.11 Ks per nine innings. Not quite hitting those double digits that we see in a lot of Guardians pitchers. But for a starter, 9.11 strikeouts per nine is a pretty darn good number. Uh, decent strikeout to walk ratio, too. And he's doing it in the Arizona Fall League. He leads the Arizona Fall League. He leads all pitchers in strikeouts with 33 strikeouts. Now, he's also carrying a 530 ERA. In five starts, so okay, maybe not everything's going perfectly, uh, but the strikeouts are there. It's uh, 33 strikeouts to 11 walks. He's got a 1.34 whip and a 206 average against. So uh, Ryan Webb is making waves out there with his strikeout ability. So those are the names I'm hearing out there from the Arizona Fall League. Again, I'd re- I'm glad to be hearing positive things coming out of Arizona at this time of year, right? Just keep feeding me those positive things. All right, so let's turn to some of your emails. Uh, Bob, I appreciate uh, you sending me all the stuff. Uh, You were so excited when that Arizona Fall League kicked off. Uh, So Bob and Highland Heights keeping us tuned in there. Um, Jeff from Columbus, Jeff with a G, uh, checked in uh, after the World Series. Um... Uh, he asked. Uh, he asked about how the Guardians did against both of those teams. I think their power was a problem for us this season. That's that's what I remember. I remember going into Texas and getting thumped. Although, didn't we return the favor the next time we played them? Uh, we gave them a little Guardians baseball in return. But I remember Arizona. We had problems with Arizona when we faced them in the one series. Uh, their power. You know, it was was tough for us to get past. So um, he says it really goes to show you that once you're in the playoffs, who knows how far you can go if your team gets hot. That's right. Neither of these teams were the top team, right, in the bracket. I wasn't uh, Arizona the last wild card team? So, yeah, it, it this one definitely hit the old adage of just get me to the playoffs and see what happens. Uh, so, uh, Jeff said, how is Marlon doing, by the way? Is he still sending you observations? Now, Marlon took a break too, and Marlon deserved a break after his, uh, the way he stayed tuned in all season. Uh, he said, all the best. He said, P.S. I hear Manzardo is doing well in the Arizona Fall League. So even Jeff in Columbus was on top of this Arizona Fall League stuff. And then, uh, finally, Marlon did check in after the managerial hire and, and, He's part of the one of the people I was talking to at the beginning of the podcast. He says, Hi, Davey. I hope all is well. I know you said you were taking a break after the season, but would pop in every once in a while when there was breaking news for the Cleveland Guardians. Anyways, I am very disappointed in Antonetti and Chernoff in this hire. Let me start off by saying I have nothing against Vote, and by all accounts, he's a good guy. Now, having said all that, this was not the hire Antonetti and Chernoff should have or could afford to make. These two were so bad with their decisions last year. They look like the front office version of Straw and Gallagher with how often they swung and missed. Vote is only one year removed from his playing career and has not paid his dues as a coach. I respect his career as a player. 
and he has solid career. However, he only has one year of coaching experience, which was at the bullpen and quality control with the Mariners. At least other candidates, Mendoza, Albernez, McCullough, Snicker, Council, have paid their dues by working their way up through the coaching rankings and were more qualified for the job. He's similar to Aaron Boone and David Ross, both of whom were hired from the broadcast booth without any managerial or coaching experience. The team does not need an inexperienced coach who only has a year of coaching experience under its belt and will learn on the job. Um, so just to address that, and again, I might be repeating myself a little bit from the beginning of the podcast, but Marlon, those guys, yeah, maybe they did come from the broadcast booth and go right into manager, but Steven Vogt has had his eye on being a manager since 2018. And we don't know how much prepping, how much studying, how much work he has put in to achieve that. And only Antonetti and Chernoff do because they were the ones that were interviewing him. And, uh, Chris Jimenez, uh, you know, former catcher who was roommates with him in Tampa Bay and obviously he's been on our pre- and post-game shows with Al Pulaski there a lot recently, so he's kind of tuned into what's going on in Cleveland. Uh, he had nothing but glowing things to say about him. And again, a lot of it leaned towards his ability to connect with people and lead people. And uh, again, that all sounds great. So Marlon, you do have a point where he doesn't have that practical experience, but on the other hand, we don't know, Marlon. We don't know how much experience he has been gaining since 2018 when he did his managerial internship. And I put that in air quotes because who knows what that really was uh, other than him and Craig Council. So uh, I got to imagine that he has actually been preparing for this job more than David Ross and more than Aaron Boone did. And both of those guys, by the way, had decent success. I know the Yankees have struggled recently with Boone, but I gotta, I gotta think that's more with roster construction than what Boone's doing. I don't think Boone is the problem in New York. I think the way they built that roster is the problem in New York. And uh, David Ross was having success with the Cubs again. They they had a flawed roster. They just blown up their uh, core of their team, and we're trying to put it back together. So I don't think David Ross is the problem there, and with the Cubs. So both those guys actually, that's they're not great examples because they both did decent. Um, so we will see if Antonini and Chernoff, like I said, can supply the other half of what Stephen Vogt needs from the front office, right? This, this army of intellectuals and, and statisticians and computer science people that they've been hiring into the front office. Uh, can they supply that other half to Stephen Vogt and let him focus on people? Just be patient, Marlon. Just Let's see where it goes. All right. Uh, he followed up with, along with the odd claim of Alfonso Rivas, who will hopefully be DFA'd and sent to Columbus before the Rule 5 draft next month, the front office has continued to underwhelm. I'm obviously willing to see how the rest of this offseason plays out, but if vote and the other moves don't pan out next season, it will be fair to say there should be noise in the system, as stated by former head coach Ron Zook right before he got canned from Florida. So, uh, yeah, uh, Marlon has been gunning for Antonetti and Chernoff regime to end uh, for a while now, hasn't he? I, look, this is not all they're doing this offseason, right? Uh, come on. It is November. There is a very long offseason ahead of ourselves. So, morning people, pace yourself. <laughs> I'm going to pace myself. I love talking to you, but uh, there is a ton going on in life right now. So, uh, I'm going to go back to focusing on that. Uh, enjoying being a dad, man, it's a fun job. Uh, and you keep enjoying your off season, get into another hobby, uh, you know, spend time with the family, 
do what you got to do. And when there's breaking baseball news, when there's breaking Guardians news, I will be here to talk with you about it. So there are a lot of possibilities for how this offseason can go. There are a lot of possibilities for what the 2024 Cleveland Guardians are going to look like. The good news is we have a fantastic core of players here. We have guys to be excited about. The Naylor brothers, Jimenez and Quan are gold glovers. The pitching staff with Bybee and hopefully a healthy Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber coming back to join them with Gavin Williams. Right? There's so much to be excited about. And uh, I'm glad that we have this outlet to talk baseball still. You're still my favorite people to talk. Well, my brother. Other, other than my brother and my dad, you're my favorite people to talk baseball with. Uh, my son does understand baseball on the TV, though. He He's starting to get into, into it. So uh, soon, maybe it'll take a few years, but soon I'll be able to talk baseball with him, too. So thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris I, for whatever Twitter's worth these days. I, I still go on there sometimes and, and just keep an eye on what's going on. Uh, so you can follow me at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Join the conversation. Be part of the conversation. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what's going on and when you challenge me with interesting questions. So enjoy the conversation. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.